you have a Bible or Bible on your phone, turn with me to Psalm 139, verse one. Come on, somebody. Man, I'm so excited to see you. I missed y'all last week. I don't know if you missed me, but I missed y'all. Man, didn't my mom preach a home run sermon last Sunday? She is awesome. I'm so grateful for her, and she's so so good at talking on worship. I mean, she was the worship leader for our church for several years, and I was listening to her sermon. I was going, Mom, that was so good. And so if you missed it, get it in the bookstore. You can get it on CD or DVD, or you can look at it online. Are you at Psalm 139? Okay, this is what David says. I, I gotta open there. He says this. Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart. You know everything about me. God's watching everything. You know when I sit down, when I stand up. You know my every thought, even when I'm far away. You chart the path ahead of me. You tell me where to stop and when to rest. I'm thankful for a God who tells us when to rest, tells us where to stop. He says, every moment you know exactly where I am. Now let me stop right there. That can scare some of us. To know that God knows everything about us inside and out. There's nothing we can hide from God. There's no uh, word inside of our head or attitude or thought or feeling or motive that God doesn't see. There's no action that's hidden from God. He sees it all. But for David, this changes the game. The fact that God knows everything doesn't scare David. In fact, it draws David even closer to the love of God. And so we go to, I wanna just go to the end of this chapter, verse 23, so since you know it all, search me, O God, know my heart, test me, know my thoughts, point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. So here's the title of the message today. I want you to announce it to the person next to you. Smile, you're on camera. Smile, you're on camera. And you are on camera on the Hillsong channel this morning. And uh, there's people watching all over the world. But today I wanna talk to you about that thought. Smile, you're on camera. Why don't you grab the hand of the person next to you, lift it high. Honey, come on up here and hold my hand. Come up here. Let's say our victory confession together. All right, y'all ready, church? We're family. On the count of three, let's say it. One, two, three. I'm here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Give someone a high five. Love you. You can be seated. Smile, you're on camera. You know what? That show, Candid Camera, has been going on for 50 plus years where people would uh, prank people out in public and see how, what kind of reaction they would have. And then when they would react and, and it would be an embarrassing situation, they would say, smile, you're on candid camera, right? There's shows like Impractical Jokers. Uh, there was a show that came out when I was in high school called Punked. And this guy would jump out and be like, you just got punked, you know? And he would pull out the cameras and he would surprise celebrities to see how they would react uh, in a situation that maybe didn't turn out the way that they wanted it to. I've been watching these last few weeks on news and, and news, the news just is kind of like toxic at times, but I was watching how they're scrutinizing everything these politicians are saying right now, right? I mean, Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, everything's being watched. Every tweet, every email that they can find. 
every situation. <laughs> Come on, loosen up, guys. Come on, chill out. I'm just having fun for a second. Everything is being watched. Turn to the person next and say, smile, you're on camera. <laughs> everything. They're watching who they endorse. They're watching, and then the people that get endorsed, they're watching everything they say and everything they do and every tweet and every Instagram post and every Facebook post and every retweet and who they retweet and what that account looks like. And they're watching everything. They're constantly watching every move. And here's the point. More than we should be concerned about people watching us or people watching people, God's watching. God's always watching. He sees every move. And for God, he doesn't just watch our actions or what our lips say. God sees our attitudes and our hearts. I remember being at this restaurant, me and Ashley, before we had kids, and we were sitting down having this nice meal, and we were kind of waiting for a while. Our food was taking its time. The waiter had a lot of tables to wait on, and the table next to us had like 15 young adults that had just gotten out of a, a, a church event. And so they were sitting there and they were loud and they were messy and they were kind of upset because the waiter was taking his time. It took them like an hour to get their food. And so by the time the chicken came out, it was cold chicken, it was no longer warm chicken. And they're like, where's my hot chicken at? You know, and they're upset about the hot chicken not being hot, it's cold. And the mashed potatoes are cold. Everything's not really what they wanted it to be. And so out of their frustration and anger, they were like, mad at this guy. It wasn't the waiter's fault. I was watching the waiter and he was trying his best. You know, he tried to take back some of their food and give them the food they wanted and, and they ended up getting it, but it was a lot later. So when they left, all 15 of them only left one penny as the tip. And I was watching this, my heart kind of sank because I was like, I know they're upset, but the way that they just showed that guy and that guy knew, I mean, they all had their t-shirts on. It was, it was, church people, it's Christian people, I just thought, that's not a good representation. Like, that doesn't look good. And I remember sitting there just feeling sorry for him. He walked up and he saw the penny and he just threw it to the ground. He was upset. And he starts cleaning up all their mess and the food. They had dumped food on the ground just to kind of make it even worse for him to clean it all up. I'm just watching this going, man, this is sad, you know? And I'm sitting there and Ashley's looking at me and we both know, like, we gotta do something. We gotta, we gotta bless this guy. And so, I was thinking, God, what should we do? And God, for me, God usually speaks through my wife, you know? So my wife looks at me, she's like, all the ladies love that right there. Hey, don't, don't, don't get too excited about that. <laughs> but she looks at me and she goes, Paul, I think, we need to, I think we need to bless them and not just tip them for our food, but tip them for their food. And I was thinking, oh, that was like 15 people. We don't have that kind of money. What are we gonna, you know, and our food's been slow. And then I was like, okay, chill out. <laughs> so we did, we gave him a really good tip. And we, we started to walk away. Man, he chases us down from the restaurant. He's got a tear in his eye and he goes, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And he goes, by the way, I listened to your podcast. And I go, oh my God. <laughs> it's a good thing I tipped him. I didn't know the whole time he knew exactly who I was. He's like, you're the 3D pastor, young adult group. And, but I was thinking, man, smile, you're on camera. What kind of attitude are you putting off? Did you know God cares more about your attitude than your lip service? Like God cares more about your attitude at church than you being on time to church. Sometimes we're like freaking out in the car, like everybody chill out. We gotta be on time to church so I can worship Jesus. <laughs> And we're like, kids, shut up! You know, we're screaming and saying mean things. 
And we come into church and we all are like, just be quiet, you know, <laughs> grab each other and let's worship God. <laughs> and we pull out our big Bibles and God's like, man, this stinks, you know, this stinks because <laughs> you sing so great, but your attitude smells so bad, you know. You were on time, but your attitude stinks. My dad used to say this to me and John, my brother, my sisters. He'd say, attitude check, and we would have to say, praise the Lord. So I, let me just teach you right now. Attitude check. Praise the Lord. Attitude check. Praise the Lord. Now turn to the person next to you and say, attitude check. <laughs> Somebody's getting delivered right now. But you know, I was thinking about it. God loves to see an attitude of worship. I remember growing up and, and, and my parents would always say this out of our three or four songs at the beginning of service, they would say, let's keep an attitude of worship. And I'd always be like, what does that mean? Worship's over, the songs are over, but they'd say, no, let's stay in an attitude of worship. What they were saying was worship is not confined to these three or four songs. Worship is an attitude. It's actually an attitude. Your attitude is worship to God, which means that when you have a good attitude at the restaurant or with your family or with your roommates in the apartment that you're in, you're actually worshiping God, maybe even better than singing a few songs at church. You're bringing more glory to God when you have a, a, a kind attitude, a kind heart towards people than when you just sing perfect songs. 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, uh, Samuel the prophet was looking for the next king of Israel because the current king, King Saul, was really good at having an outward performance, but really bad at having a, a, a sincere heart. He had put on a great, like he would make these awesome burnt sacrifices to God and get all these calves and these cows and, and, and do this sacrificial altar to God. But Samuel came to Saul one day because Saul's heart was so far from God, he disobeyed God and he said, Samuel, God doesn't delight in burnt sacrifices. God delights in an obedient heart and a heart that's sincere. Now we could hear that kind of message and it would, it would scare us to think, man, I've gotta be robotic. I've gotta pretend like I've always got it together and that I, that I can't mess up in front of God. I remember playing for this basketball coach and he's no longer here, doesn't live in our city so I could tell the story. But I remember he was, he was so intense that if I made one mistake on the court, he would immediately pull me out of the game and I had to sit on the bench the rest of the game. And he was like that with a few other players. There was only a few that he let make some mistakes and even then he would get upset at them. But the rest of us, it was like, if we made one mistake, you have to sit on the bench the rest of the game. And so I, it, was, it was this fear that I didn't even wanna catch the ball. If I had the ball, I was afraid I was gonna make a mistake and that, that I wouldn't get to play anymore. So I just would go out there and kind of like stand and try not to be seen by anybody. And then the coach would yell at me like, do something and I'm, I'm sorry, just put me on the bench. I don't know what to do, you know? <laughs> I was, I was miserable. And some of us think that way about God, that he's this mean coach that the second we mess up, he's gonna pull us out of the game and he's not happy with us and we can't be righteous and we can't come to church because we missed it. That's not the kind of God that we serve. A better analogy of who God is is this summer, me and Ashley, we put our, our child in swim lessons and he was in the pool and the coach was watching him the whole time. She wouldn't take her eyes off of him. And he was trying to swim and he would miss it sometimes. He had his floaties on and he would start to cry. And she was watching him constantly, not because she was gonna you know, hit him if he messed up or dunk him and be like, come on, get your act together. No, she was watching him the whole time because she wanted to help him learn how to swim. 
And I was thinking, that's how God watches us. He watches us all the time, not to get on to us when we miss it, but to help us when we miss it, to help pull us up when we're crying to say, come on, I'm going to help you how to swim. And so this is what Samuel did when he was looking for the next king. He was looking at everybody's outward appearance. He says, God, what about this guy? He's tall. What about this guy? He's strong. What about this son? He's handsome. And he was looking at this family, Jesse's family, because God said it's going to be one of Jesse's sons. And he had eight sons. And finally, you know, God interrupts Samuel's picking process. And he says, I don't look at things the, the way you look at things. In fact, he says, man looks at the outward appearance in verse 7 of 1 Samuel 16. Man looks at what we look like on the outside, but God looks at the heart. God's paying attention to the condition of our attitude, our soul, our heart. And so David wasn't a perfect man. David wasn't a perfect husband. He wasn't a perfect dad. He wasn't a perfect king. But you know what God loved so much about David? He was a man after God's own heart. He was sincere. God cares more about our sincerity than our perfect performance. God would rather you come late to church with a nice attitude than come on time to church with a mean attitude. Is your attitude glorifying God? Is it leaking the presence of God or is it leaking some other stench? What do we smell like, right? Is our attitude, is it good? Is it, is it kind? Is it sweet towards people? So this morning, I wanna just give you a few reasons why I think we should do this, because I think it could change your life. Number one, we need to check our attitudes because our attitude is in full view to God and it matters big time. Our attitude is in full view to God. In other words, God sees your attitude right now, even in this room, and it matters big time to God. Your attitude matters more than whether you remember to bring your Bible to church. <laughs> He cares about your attitude this morning. Whether you know all the songs or, or have scriptures memorized, he cares about your attitude. You know, the crazy thing about Jesus is he attracted all of these sinners around him. He attracted all of these like people who had problems, the woman caught in adultery, fishermen who cussed. He, he attracted tax collectors who cheated people of their money, drunkards and all these sinner people. The, the one group of people that were repelled by Jesus were the Pharisees, the religious people. They always found something to complain about when Jesus preached or when Jesus showed up. But everyone else that had problems, that knew they needed a savior, they were attracted to the love of Jesus Christ. It was like his attitude drew people in. Our attitude is in full view to God. He sees it all and it matters big time to him. Proverbs 15 verse three says, God is always watching both the good and the evil. So God's not just watching Christians. God's watching unbelievers too. Everything is being seen by God. And if he's watching, and he's not watching with this like, I'm gonna beat you up if you miss it, but I'm watching because I wanna help you, why don't we ask him to help our attitude? Why don't we act like David and say, Lord, search me, oh God. I remember my senior year of high school, man, I, I just had a bad attitude. Towards the end of the year, I was looking back on my senior year and I was frustrated, things didn't go my way. I had a terrible basketball season. I, I was in a fight with my mom and dad. There was stress between me and, and friends and there was, there was, it was, I was just, I had a terrible, stinky attitude. And I remember going into my room and reading this scripture, Psalm 139, verse 23 through 24, search me, O God. And I pulled out my guitar and I had a moment of repentance. I think God loves repentance. He loves just a humble heart. This is how we get a good attitude, by repenting. 
This is how we change that mean attitude by saying, Lord, I'm sorry. That's what I did. I just got on my knees, pulled out my guitar, and I said, search me, oh God, and know my every thought. Renew my mind, take my life, I'm all yours. Look inside my heart. Remove any part that does not glorify you, God, I'm all yours. You know what God began to do? He began to change my attitude towards my mom and dad. Begin to change my attitude about my high school experience. Why? Because our attitude really determines whether we enjoy life or not. That's why it matters so much to God. Attitude is everything. Secondly, number two, our attitude is a central part of our worship to God. So your attitude is actually could bring worship to God or could take away from the worship that you're trying to bring to God. What good is it if we sing all the songs perfectly but our attitude stinks? This is what Jesus said in Matthew 15, verse eight. He said, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts, their attitudes are so far from me. I remember listening to Joyce Myers preach. Anybody like Joyce Myers? I love Joyce Myers. Like she's, I got this connection with her. We don't really know each other, but I just got this connection. By the way, Joyce Myers is coming to Victory next year to do a whole weekend experience for us. And she's gonna like do like three days. I'm so stoked about it. And I found out she's only doing it at like five churches next year because she doesn't travel around and do too much preaching at other churches anymore. She does these like experiences and she chose Victory in Tulsa. She's gonna do it here, so I'm excited. But I was listening to her speak and man, I could just relate. She was like, you know, when I got married to David and it was her second marriage, she had gone through a divorce and it was a really rough, messy divorce, which I didn't even know that, but she was talking about it. The thing I like about Joyce is she shares her problems she shares her flaws, right? She's so transparent and it works out well for her. Like for me, when I'm transparent, I get like emails complaining about my transparency. I'm still waiting for it to work out for me. It's gonna happen one of these days. I call the Joyce Meyer favor on me in Jesus' name. And I got issues, right? But like, I'm like Joyce, I got flaws, but I'm listening to her and I can relate. She goes, hey, I love you too. But she goes, she goes um, when I was in ministry, literally up to like, she was like, five years ago, this changed. So she said, for like 25 years with David, her husband, she said, I would get so stressed days leading up to when I was gonna preach or do a seminar or do a conference. I would get so overwhelmed by the fear of speaking in front of all these people and not wanting to mess up that I would just get, like I was uptight, that everyone had to walk on pins and needles around me. I was so stressed. I would like shout at my husband, my secretary, my child. She'd be like, get out of here, I'm trying to pray right now. <laughs> and I'm watching this, you know, laughing. And she, she'd say, you know, sometimes she would get upset, like I'm trying to read my Bible because I'm preaching on the joy of the Lord this weekend, <laughs> you know? And just listening to the irony of how she's acting about what's coming up. And she said, finally, like God wrecked her and was like, Joyce, if you're preaching on the joy of the Lord, like I, I'd rather you have a good attitude and preach a poor sermon than preach a great sermon and live with a stinky attitude at your house. And sometimes we put so much focus on public performance and very little focus on our everyday lives at home. We put so much focus on getting on time to church and putting on this great performance, but at home we're like stinking attitudes and it's canceling out our worship. It's canceling out the songs we're singing. We're singing Amazing Grace, 
And if someone next to us is singing off key, we're like, God, please get that person to stop singing so loud next to me. If someone stinks next to us, we're like, God, please get the stinky people away from me. You know, and it's canceling out our worship. Our attitude is in full view to God and it matters big time to him. It's central to our worship to God. You know, I was thinking about um, <laughs> just the whole attitude thing with Joyce and I, I gotta admit, like, this message is for me more than it is for you. This message is like geared at Paul, continually check your attitude. Because I have moments where I just miss it. My attitude is I'm impatient sometimes. I get flustered sometimes. I can easily get stressed out. Anybody else deal with like attitude issues? Okay. For those of you that didn't raise your hands, there's an altar call at the end of service. Come down here. <laughs> I'm glad I'm part of some imperfect people, but we serve a great God, you know, who can change our attitude and get us in line. But um, this last week, I'm so thankful, church, we got to have a vacation and it was really nice. Thank you for letting us get away and take some rest as a family. Thank you for letting us have that. You know, my mom pulled all of us together and got all the siblings and got us to go to Florida where my sister and her husband live. And, and so we were going out to the beach this one day and it was hot, it was really hot. It was like 100 degrees. Um, both of my two little babies, I've, we've got two babies in diapers, and you know, their diapers are constantly exploding with stink <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> and uh, we're going out to the beach, and man, the, the sand was super hot, like just burning your feet. I had thrown off my flip-flops. It was a quarter of a mile walk. I'm carrying a 60 pound tent on one shoulder. I got chairs on this shoulder. Liam is whining and screaming at me and I'm wanting to give him a pow pow, but I can't because all the stuff in my hands. And so I, you know, I pick him up and I'm carrying it. And then Ashley's pushing our other baby in a stroller in the sand. You can't push a stroller in the sand. I'm like, what is going on? And Ashley decided, you know, she's, we got bringing all the snacks. And so we got, we got the whole kitchen with us. And so, you know, I'm just having a terrible attitude. Like I'm carrying all this, I'm sweating, I'm like murmuring under my breath and Ashley's like, can you help me lift up the other side of the stroller? And I'm like, sure, honey, one more thing, just let me do it. So I got this in the, in the crevice, I got the chairs, I got Liam, I'm lifting it up and I'm just going like this and it's just hot. Like, and my attitude stunk, right? And we're going for like quarter of a mile and I'm murmuring, she's like, what are you saying? I'm like, I'm not saying anything. It's awesome family vacation. It's a great vacation. It's awesome times. Really cool right now. Thank you, Jesus. You know, and I am just like, I'm miserable in my attitude. And she's like, just stop. And so I stopped. She's like, just set this stuff down. If I set this stuff down, I got to pick all this stuff back up. <laughs> Tell me I'm not the only guy who has struggled sometimes with an attitude problem. And God just wrecks, like Ashley didn't say anything, it was just God, God was like, Paul, you're on the beach, be happy. And I was like, you're right, God. And he said, Paul, there are people way happier than you right now living on way less than what you're experiencing. And I just was like, oh my goodness, I repent, I missed it. You know, it's crazy, you can have a great wife, a great house, have a car, have a job, Go to a great church with air conditioning, sitting in an awesome seat. But if you have a bad attitude, you're miserable. You're miserable. You can have a great husband. You can have healthy kids. But if you have a bad attitude as a mom, you're miserable. And not only are you miserable, you're making everyone else around you miserable. 
Which brings me to my third point. Number three, attitude determines the trajectory of your life. Not only is it worship towards God, God knows it's gonna set the course of your life. If you don't work on your attitude, you gotta live with you the rest of your life. You know, and so if you gotta live with that stinky attitude, like no matter who you marry or the next marriage, you're gonna be upset at something about what they did to you. Whatever the next church has, like we carry our attitudes with us every job we go, every church we go to, every marriage, every relationship, every roommate. If you don't work on your attitude, you're gonna stay miserable the rest of your life. And so God's saying, wake up, this matters big time. This is determining the trajectory of your life. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart. Another word for heart in the dictionary is your spirit, your soul, your attitude, your disposition on life, the stuff on the inside of you. Guard it because out of it flows the course of your life. Whatever is in here is gonna determine the course of your life. My dad used to tell me when I was dating before I married my, my beautiful wife, I was in college and he would say, Paul, when you go on these dates, I want you to watch their attitude. Watch their attitude. When you're playing ping pong, watch how they respond when they lose. <laughs> watch how they act. When you're at a restaurant, they gotta wait an hour for the food. Just watch. Just watch, because attitude matters. It's better to be married to someone with a good attitude than to be married to someone who puts on a great performance, but you find out later their attitude stinks. Watch the attitude. For those that are single in the room, men, guys, and girls, watch his attitude. See, we, we live in a culture where we don't teach people how to lose. Everybody gets a trophy these days. I don't know if we're doing anybody good by giving everyone trophies. Because what happens when they don't get the job or when the girl breaks up with them? We've got to learn how to handle loss like a champion. We've got to learn how to be a good sport, whether we win or lose. Kids got to learn this at a young age. They got to learn when they don't get what they want. There's times where Liam wants something and I'm like, no, you're not getting that. <laughs> Y'all are like, man, he's mean. <laughs> grandma will spoil him, but I'm not going to spoil him. <laughs> no, grandma won't do that. But there's times where kids, it's like we've gotta teach them to have a good attitude. And here's the thing, if we don't learn it as kids, we become adults and we're still childish. We're throwing fits. We're throwing fits in restaurants. We're throwing fits at the job. We're throwing fits with our spouse. We're, we're, we're just little kids again. We're not growing up. We're not becoming spiritually mature. And to God, no matter how good you sing or how on time you are to church or how many hours you volunteer at the church, if your attitude stinks all through it, you're canceling out all the good stuff you're trying to do. Because to God, attitude matters. Attitude is everything to God. It is. Our attitude matters so much. It's everything. And number four, here's the fourth point right here. Our attitude represents God to others. It represents God to others. Why should we continually check our attitude? The good news is God is always there to help us with our attitude because other people need to see God through us. This is what Paul said in Philippians 1, verse 27 through 28, message version. He says, meanwhile, believers live in such, so if you're not a believer, you don't have to do this. But if you are a believer, this is for you. This is like a commandment, not a suggestion, a commandment. If you believe in Jesus, Paul's talking to you. Live in such a way that you are a credit to the message of Christ. In other words, like you can't get out of this. You don't, you're not entitled to having a bad attitude just because people ticked you off. He says, guys, live in such a way that you're a credit to the message of Christ. 
Let nothing in your conduct hang on whether I come or not. Your conduct must be the same whether I show up to see things for myself or hear about it from a distance. Stand united, singular in vision, contending for people's trust in the message, the good news. Jesus put it like this in Matthew 5, 16. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your attitude shine. Be positive, be kind. You know, the circumstances don't have to change in order for your attitude to change. I've realized that I have control over my attitude. Who's the boss? I am, right? The Holy Spirit gave me this gift. When I accepted Christ, this gift came into my life, this fruit of the Spirit called self-control, which means that I can change my attitude at any moment. It's crazy how you can live in a prison but have an attitude as if you're in the palace, but you can also live in a palace and have an attitude as if you're living in a prison. Your attitude determines the environment that you're in. It determines the job that you have, the marriage that you're in, the the situation that you're in. As a single, uh, 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 whatever season that you're in, your attitude is determining the enjoyment of your life and other people around you, whether they see Christ. There was this guy in our church, and Ben, you can come up as I get ready to close. This guy's an incredible friend of mine. His name's Trey Hall. He got married yesterday right here at Victory. He met his wife, Danielle Coy, right here at Victory. And um, I was thinking about his story. I was just, when I saw all the pictures of him getting married here at Victory yesterday, I was thinking, I remember meeting Trey right after the 11 a.m. service in that hallway between the cafe and the bookstore. I remember running into him and his brother, Tyron. And I remember going up to him and saying, hey guys, you know, are you new to Victory? What's your name? And you know, I'm Tyron, I'm Trey. And tell me a little bit about you. Hey, you guys, you play any sports? Our young adults group, we're getting together, we're playing basketball. And yeah, we'd love to play basketball. I remember playing basketball with him and finding out Trey had just gotten out of a a rough relationship. He was engaged to someone and it was broken off and he was really just discouraged. And I remember praying for him and just saying, hey Trey, God's got the right person for you. He's got the right person for you. It's all gonna work out. So Trey started getting involved in the church, started serving, and that's where he met Danielle. But he went through a time where he lost his job. Even though he lost his job, he didn't lose his joy. He was still one of the happiest guys I knew. He's always smiling, like, what's up, Paul? You know, it was, I love Trey's attitude, his disposition. It's so, it's so attractive, spiritually attractive people. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't take that in a weird way. I remember reading this article about this rabbi, and people said, this rabbi, he's such, he has such a spiritually attractive disposition. He's so at peace within himself. He's not mean to people, he's kind. He's the same person off stage that he is on stage. And so I noticed Trey has just got this great attitude. And so when he lost his job, I said, Trey, I wanna help you out. I know someone who's hiring, they're hiring, it's a trucking company. And so he got hired to be in the call center to call these truckers. And he had to call them all the time and it was a stressful environment. Yeah, he had a good job, pretty good job, good pay, but it was stressful. And so he was always on the phone having to repeat himself over and over. They would scream at him, they would cuss him out. They were mean to him, but Trey just kept smiling just kept his attitude in check with God. Lord, thank you. Now I'm gonna have a good attitude today at work. I'm gonna have a good attitude. You know, when you have a good attitude, you're bringing worship to God. So Trey kept that attitude. He didn't know for a year and a half, this guy was watching him, which is kind of weird. Smile, you're on camera. But this guy who was three cubicles down named Colt came up to him one day and he said, I've been watching you for the last year. Man, you are always joyful when you come here. 
what is it? Like, what are you taking? I want some of it. He thought Trey was taking a drug every morning because he just looked so chill and so chillax. Like everything was cool. He was just calm, cool, and collected. He's like, what is it? Hook me up with some of that stuff. And Trey said, it's Jesus. You want some of that stuff? It's Jesus. And, and Colt goes, come on, I know about Jesus. He's like, what does Jesus stand for? What's the pill? What's the stuff, you know? And Trey's like, no, it's Jesus. It's God. It's, it's the love of God that's changed my attitude. I wonder if that's happened for you today, if the love of God has changed your attitude. I need it to change mine all the time. Just, Lord, help me to remind me how blessed I am with the love of Jesus. Remind me not to be a complainer. God hates complaining attitudes. He doesn't hate people. Just the attitude, that spirit of constantly finding problems with every place you go to, every person, every job, every church, sending letters to every pastor, 21 reasons why I'm not coming back. <laughs> Good, we needed your seat because somebody else needs Jesus. But here's the point. Here's the point. Is your attitude, is it drawing people into Christ? Because Trey's attitude was... And Colt said, all right, I'll give it a chance. Just so you know, I used to go to church and I quit all that because it was really just a bunch of fluff to me. It was religious. We would pretend to be something on Sunday and we'd go back to our apartment and it was a totally different life. My mom was always in and out of relationships. My dad left my mom. He was abusive towards me. He was an alcoholic. Colt began to tell Trey his story. He said, I'm a womanizer. I've been in and out of relationships. I can get any girl I want. I drink, I party, I do drugs. God wouldn't want me anyways. Like, I'm a mess. I come from a messy family. I, I, I'm, I'm a, not, not a good guy. I'm not a nice guy. But he came to church and he saw the people of victory and he saw the people that came from this place and the kindness and the love and the mercy and the forgiveness. And Colt came down to the altar and gave his life to Jesus. And Colt's life was forever changed because of Trey's attitude. And Colt today is married to a girl he met at this church. They live in Dallas. They're part of a church down there. But you know, Colt is one of the funniest, nicest, just smiling guys I know now. I never would have known his background because I saw Colt once he was changed, when he got saved. And it's amazing what God can do when we surrender our attitudes to him. Colt ended up calling his dad and said, dad, I forgive you for the abuse. I want you to know I'm saved now given my life to Jesus. He called his mom. Mom, I'm sorry. I haven't visited you. I haven't called you. I've been mean to you. I've been angry at you for the way I grew up. Just want you to know I forgive you. I love you. I'm sorry. I'm saved now. I've given my life to Jesus. Something changed in his heart. Our attitudes can have that effect on people. Our attitudes can change somebody's experience. There's a true story that was turned into a movie in the late 90s, and the movie was called Life is Beautiful. And it was about the World War II time in Bergen-Belsen, one of the concentration camps where they were sending Jews. And this Italian Jewish family was sent to the camp. The husband and the wife were separated and the they had a child, a son. And so the dad and the son were together in one area of the camp. The wife was taken from them to the other side of the camp. The dad told the son, life is beautiful. This camp is just a game. We're gonna get out of here. And if you win the game, you gotta, you gotta get a thousand points, son. And if you get a thousand points, you get a tank at the end of the game. 
So the whole time for two years, they're living in this concentration camp. They're eating terrible food. They're being treated terrible by the Nazis, by the German soldiers. But the father is joking with them. He's laughing with them. He's doing tricks. He's making everything a game. He's being real fun. And the little boy is laughing. The whole movie, I'm just crying watching this. The dad keeps telling the son, life is beautiful. Life is beautiful. The son is hiding from the soldiers. At the end of the movie, after two years, the day that the tanks are rolling in, where the American soldiers come in and and shut down all these concentration camps, the dad is being taken off by some German soldiers. They're getting ready to kill him. They're killing a few people before the soldiers come in, the American soldiers. They grab the dad. The little boy runs after the dad, and the dad stops and goes, this is the final test. All you need is one more point, and the tank is yours. Hide in the cans, and you'll see your mom soon. The dad walks off like this and smiles back at him. You don't see the dad again. Little boy hides in the cans for a few hours, enrolls in a big tank. The American soldiers shut down the camp. At the end of the movie, the little boy gets to crawl inside the tank, and he's waving the American flag. He gets reunited with his mom. And it just ends, it's a true story. This, the little boy is the narrator telling about how his dad made the experience that should have been so painful, such a positive experience. And I thought, man, we have no reason to be so angry at home, to be so stressed out. Life is beautiful. It's beautiful. Like we only get one life. This is it, guys. I don't know if I'll get to preach to some of you again. I hope I do. And maybe some of you will leave this church and go to another church, or maybe some of you, who knows? We, we're not promised tomorrow. Life is so short. You know what makes life so good? When you get your attitude in check with God and say, God, I'm sorry for being angry at my kids. I'm sorry for being stressed out at my parents. I'm sorry for being angry at my boss and stressed out with my employees. I'm sorry for treating everybody like a bad word. <laughs> Let's just be real. Because when you get real with God, God gets real with you. God doesn't put up with this this pretense stuff. He's looking for a sincere heart to say, Lord, search me. This last week, when my attitude was checked by God, I went back to my wife and I said, honey, I'm so sorry. And I am. Because you're a great mom. We got great kids. We got so much to be thankful for. And I wanna keep that attitude of gratitude. I don't wanna lose and miss out on what God has. I want us to stand to our feet all over this room. I think there's young adults, there's senior adults, there's kids, there's teenagers, there's moms, there's dads, there's college students, there's high schoolers today that need to just check your attitude. Don't leave today without an attitude check. Don't leave today without saying, God, search my heart. I don't wanna just come to church and it be a Sunday masquerade. Because one day it'll all come tumbling down. I don't wanna just build a sandcastle. Because one day it'll all topple down. Lord, I wanna stay in a steady foundation that my attitude is submitted to the Lord. This is gonna sound funny, but I remember one time my dad, my dad was not a perfect dad, but he was a good dad. One time, he, he made me and my brother, when we fought, if we got in a fight when we were little, 
Not only did we have to apologize to each other, he made us kiss each other on the nose. <laughs> One time, John bit my nose. And so I bit his nose back. <laughs> but uh, my dad got really angry at the dog one time. We had a dog named Freckles. And dad, dad got mad at Freckles. Freckles was just annoying him. And it was like on a preparation study day where he had to get ready for a sermon, you know. Freckles was just annoying the mess out of my dad. And my dad got so angry. I don't remember what happened. But I just remember he felt really bad after he got angry. And he said, guys, I'm so sorry. He looked at my mom and he said, honey, I'm so sorry. I just had a terrible attitude. It's crazy that you can be a Christian for such a long time, but still have a bad attitude at times. We all have gotten there. But you know what? God's not as concerned about us looking perfect as much as he's looking for us to just be repentant when we miss it. He's so faithful to forgive us and to change our attitude when we apologize and say, hello, I've had a bad attitude today. I've been mean to people. I haven't been generous. I haven't been sweet. I've been impatient with everybody. I've been impatient wherever I'm at. So when we're repentant to God, he loves that sincerity. It's, almost, it's like so sweet, he loves that even more than you standing for 20 minutes with your hands raised singing songs. He loves just a sweet, humble, repentant heart to say, God, work in me. So my dad apologized to my mom. He apologized to us. And then we said, dad, you need to apologize to Freckles, our dog. <laughs> and he looked at us and he was like, okay. And we said, dad, you got to kiss him on the nose. <laughs> you got to kiss the dog on the nose. <laughs> you know, he's like, you don't tell me what to do. Right? Okay. But he did. He got down on his knees and he said, Freckles, I'm sorry. Freckles' eyes just... Freckles thought he was in trouble again with Billy Joe. <laughs> My dad goes, Freckles, I'm sorry. And we said, Dad, kiss him. <laughs> you know what? That, I'll never forget that experience. To me, that made such a bigger impact on me than any sermon my dad preached. It made such a big impact that he apologized to the animal. <laughs> I'm sorry I've preached so long, but I think this message is really important because I think, I think it can bring some freedom. I love you. Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. Maybe you're here today and you need an attitude check. Maybe you've been impatient. Maybe you've been angry. Maybe you've been mean. God's not mad at you. He's not looking down, ready to pull you out of the game. He's looking at you saying, let me help. Let me help you as a mom, as a dad. Let me help you as a college student, as a single. Let me help you as a grandma, as a grandpa. Let me help you as a husband, as a wife. Let me help you. I'm watching you and I want to help you. His grace is here. His mercy is here. His healing power is here. With heads bowed, eyes closed, if you need that touch on your attitude, that change today. I want you to just lift your hand all across this room. You could use some more patience at work, some more kindness coming out of you. Yeah, hands going up all over this room. You could use some more joy. You've been depressed lately. You've been stressed out because of finances. All this politics stuff has just been bothering you. You've been angry at family members and angry at coworkers. Today, just say, Lord, work in me. Search me, oh God. Remove anything that's not of you.
Secondly, you're here today and you say, Paul, I just need to surrender to Jesus. I'm not right with God. I want him to be Lord of my life. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Today, just say, I give it all to you. I'm all yours, God. If you raised your hand for either of those, I want you to just make a bold step. Come meet me at this altar. Let's take a few minutes today, right here in front of everyone to say, God, I'm laying down my pride. I'm repenting of my anger. I'm repenting of throwing fits. I'm repenting of being impatient. Today, God, I'm asking you to change me from the inside out. Yeah, let's cheer on every guy, every girl, every parent, every single, every college student, every high schooler, every granddad, every grandma. Today, in Jesus' name. I feel like there's a calling on husbands and wives that have been stressed at each other to just come down to this altar. I don't know who that is, but I just felt like God was saying so many husbands and wives need this right now. I don't know what the summer has been for you. Maybe it's just been stressful. Maybe you've just been just at each other's throats, just mean to each other. I just feel right now like God's saying, come, come, I wanna help you. I wanna help you. I wanna change your heart towards your husband. I wanna change your heart towards your wife. I feel like there's a calling on on daughters right now. I don't know why teenage girls that you're here with your mom or your dad and you've just been angry, like your attitude's just been angry at one of them and you've been so stressed and maybe there's insecurities or fears or worries or just feeling uh, uh, at times unworthy that right now God's saying, come, 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 I wanna help you. There's a God who says, cast all your cares on me. I care for you. Bring all your stress, bring all your worry, bring all your disappointments, your mistakes, your regrets, the moments that you've lashed out at each other. Maybe even this morning you screamed at someone and you just need to repent to say, God, help me. Lord, I I, I need your help in my attitude on the inside of my heart. There's this song we used to sing, and the title of it was From the Inside Out. From the Inside Out. From the Inside Out. Everlasting, your light will shine when all else fades. Never ending, your glory goes beyond all fame. And the cry of my heart is to give you praise from the inside out, Lord, my soul cries out everlasting. Your light will shine when all else fades, never ending. Your glory goes beyond all fame. And the cry of my heart is to give you praise from the inside out, Lord, my soul. From the inside out. out from the inside out, Lord, my soul cries out.